you have your Bible with you, I want to encourage you to turn or click to Acts chapter 27. And we'll continue our series, Anchored. And as you're turning or clicking to Acts chapter 27, I really want to encourage you to do that. Bring your Bible, open up in your, in your phone or your device, go into the Word and follow along and, and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to speak something to you, to remind you of something, remind you of who you are in Him, remind you of who He is, or maybe reveal something new to you that maybe you've even read it before, but you've never seen it before. And dig into God's Word. Trust Him that He's going to speak to you. Write down what He speaks to you. This, come on, let's do more than just have church today. Let's, let's have an encounter with the Most High God in a way that strengthens us, renews our hope, renews our strength for the things that we're up against, amen? So as you're turning or clicking there and preparing your heart to receive from what God wants to, desires to speak to you today, I just wanna encourage you with something. And it's been really good. I underestimated how powerful and impactful it would be to be back together again as the people of God in the house of God experiencing the presence of God together. And listen, before I say this, I want you to know if you're online with us, there is no pressure and, and there's just a lot of grace and understanding. People have different health conditions or extenuating circumstances, family members. There is absolutely zero pressure for you to get back into this uh, place, but there is a pastoral encouragement that I feel led to share with you. There is an encouragement. And that's, I, I, I underestimated how, I, I'm grateful for online. And come on, who's grateful for the technology that allowed us to, to remain connected together and worshiping together wherever we were in our homes, our cars, our offices, going about? I'm grateful for that. Thank you to all the people who sacrificed and gave time to, to build that network and build all that technology and put that together so we could do that. I'm thankful for it. We're gonna continue even beyond this season to push our services out into our world uh, via that technology to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So I'm thankful for that. And our family, we were leaning into that. We were engaging with that. But I'm just saying, there's something I underestimated for me and for my family how powerful and impactful it would be to be back here. And when this began to get drawn out, I just felt the Lord impress upon my heart that it was, will, it was worthwhile, rather, to go ahead and make some of the arrangements that we've been willing to make to rearrange our seating arrangements so that it was socially distanced here, to be willing if we had to, to wear masks in the foyer and the common spaces and, and to, to just have grace for people that felt like they needed to wear those the whole time, whatever it took to be, just begin to gather again as the people of God. And I'm just telling you, it's been powerful. I'm grateful for online, but there's been something unique something different, something special, something powerful about being together in the presence of God in the house of God. And so my pastoral encouragement is this to you, that if you're out there and you're online, and, and listen, if you have not, because of a health condition or just because of where you're at, you have not felt comfortable going out into the community, say to Walmart or Home Depot or Lowe's, then this would probably be a stretch for you. But if you have been and are willing to go out into some of those places, I wanna encourage you to just begin having a conversation with your spouse and your family about what it would take for you to begin to build this into your schedule. And I, I'm just, I don't know about you, but I personally, with the way that we've structured it and set it up and the steps that we've taken to sanitize and, the, and, and all the things that we've done to just kind of make the arrangements, I feel much more comfortable being in this atmosphere than I do at Walmart. Come on, even with the one-way shopping aisles, 
I feel much more safe and comfortable in this atmosphere with our church family with, these situ- with this situation that we put together. And so again, there is, you need to hear this, there is absolutely zero pressure. As long as you need to remain out there online connecting and worshiping with us, you are a valuable part of the Rev City Church family. But I do want to encourage you, just begin to, to, to ask God and look for the opportunity to come back and join us in the arrangements that we've put together to make it as safe and healthy as possible during this season for us to gather as the people of God in the house of God and experience the presence of God. How many of you agree? It's just been powerful. It's different. It's unique to be here together. Amen. And, and so, yeah, I hope you hear that. And again, there's a lot of grace. Let's have grace for one another as we navigate this season. And let's dig into God's word together today. Acts chapter 27, continuing our series called Anchored. And listen, let me set the scene for you that the Apostle Paul has had his radical conversion experience. He's gone from being Saul of Tarsus and he's a, who was opposing and persecuting the church, even to the point of death. And he's encountered the power of the good news of Jesus Christ, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now the one who was persecuting the church is an apostle of the faith. And he's being used of God to build the church and lay the foundations of the church that you and I are now a part of. But he's been in prison for his faith. And he's being delivered to stand trial for his faith before Caesar. That's where we pick up the story. Paul being delivered via ship to stand trial for his faith. Verse 13 says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor. They lifted up the anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. But before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. And it says, verse 15, the ship was caught up by the storm and could not head into the wind. And catch this, catch this. This is critical. It says, so they gave way to it and let themselves be driven along. In other words, they were drifting. And the impetus for this whole series was a few weeks ago, I was at a beautiful Clinton Lake and I was fishing. I love to get out there and do that. I hooked something. I thought I'd caught a big fish and I reeled it in. And what I thought was a three foot fish was a six foot log. And I was disappointed. And then I was distracted by the mess of it all and dealing with it. And I became discouraged. And in the moment of being disappointed, distracted and discouraged, I looked up and I realized I was drifting. My motor had died and the south wind had blown my boat up on the north shoreline and it was up against the rocks, being beat against the rocks and I couldn't get the engine to start. I've got this log, it's all tangled up and I had drifted to a dangerous place. And the Lord began to speak to my heart. And he began to say, Thomas, as as much as you experienced in the physical realm, in the natural realm, the dangers of drifting, It's even more dangerous for the people of God to find themselves spiritually drifting. And he began to just speak to me and show me how in some ways in this season with things interrupted and and, and with things isolated, that there were some places and some ways in my own heart, I hope this is okay for you to hear, even as your pastor, where I spiritually was beginning to drift and he began to show me those things. And listen, when the Lord reveals something in you, it's always because he wants to heal something in you. And he was saying, you're drifting. You're drifting, and there's a danger to drifting. Hear me today, you rarely drift to your desired destination. You rarely drift to your desired destination. Every great life of faith, men and women and young people of God who God uses mightily to be world changers for Jesus Christ, every great marriage, every great family, come on, let's, we, don't we wanna raise our kids to know God, not just to be good kids, but to be godly kids, 
who know God and know his word and, and are connected to his purposes and his destiny for their life. How many believe that that's critically important in this season that we're up against? Every great marriage, every great family, every great business, every championship football team, come on, hear me, coaches. Everything that, that is great is built with intentionality. It happens by grace, but it never happens by accident. It happens by the power of decision, determination, and dedication that Joshua modeled to us when he said, if it if it's not, doesn't seem pleasing to you to serve God, you can still serve the gods of the Euphrates, the gods of Egypt, or you can serve the gods of this land that we currently find in our that we currently find ourselves in. In other words, what's popular in the culture today. He said, if, if it doesn't seem right to you to please God, do what you want to do. But he said, as for me and as for my house, we will serve the Lord. Every great family, every great marriage, every great church is built on the power of decision, determination, and dedication. We rarely drift to our desired destination. There's a danger in drifting. Listen, you need to hear this today. Most couples who end up in divorce don't wake up one morning on the brink of divorce, they drift. They drift from God. They drift in their hearts from one another and from the reality and from the understanding and from, the, from claiming the fact that we didn't just choose one another. God ordained this marriage for his glory and his purposes and so it's worth fighting for. You don't wake up on the brink of divorce. You drift from God and you drift from one another. You don't wake up fully depressed and in despair. You drift from the purposes of God or the people of God. You don't wake up fully addicted in the throes and the bondages of addiction. Generally, you drift. To that place, there's a danger in drifting. And listen, even if you're just a degree or two off, I have a good friend, Woody Davis, who was in the Navy, and he recently came to me. He said, Pastor T, this message, this series is really speaking to me because I was in the Navy, and so I understand the danger of drifting. And he began to just tell me, he said, you know, what we realized and what we understood, there's an immutable law that if you are just one degree off, 360 degrees, and if we were just one degree off, regardless of the speed at which we were traveling, one degree over 60 nautical miles placed us one whole mile off of our desired trajectory. And he said, and, and the whole idea of just anchoring he said, I was, I was one of the crew on the naval vessel that, that I was part of that was trained and, and retrained and was responsible for the anchoring of our ship. And he began to talk to me about it. He said, we didn't just anchor casually. He said, there was a lot that went into it. We took the soundings, we took the bearings, we measured the circumference, and we did all these things to determine where and how we would drop the anchor. And he said, and then we didn't just drop it and leave it. We were responsible. There was a whole crew of men and women who were responsible for measuring and monitoring and ensuring that the ship remained anchored where we desired to be anchored. There's a danger to drifting. And in this season, the Lord just began to speak to me that many of us, many of us have begun to drift spiritually. Again, things are interrupted. Things are isolated. It's, it's the desire of the enemy. It's the way he desires to use this season that we're walking through to cause us to become disconnected, depressed, and riddled with despair. But God is saying in this season to the people of God, to the men and women of God, this is the time to be anchored in my word. Anchored, I've challenged us. The, the Bible says, Acts 27, 29, that they, they grew fearful of being dashed against the rocks. And so it says they dropped four anchors. 
And I've challenged us with some of those things that I believe more than a sermon illustration or an alliteration will really serve. Hear me, man of God, woman of God, as anchors for our faith. That God has called us to be a people of God's presence. Praying and worshiping and experiencing what we experienced in this room and hopefully you experienced at home or online, the presence of God. There's just something that happens there's just a, there's a dryness, there's a weariness that begins to be resolved and healed and addressed when we encounter the presence of God. That we're called to be people of God's presence, God's promises, his word. That we're called to be people of God's people connected to the people of God, the people that we're called to be part of this church family with and the people in our community who need to see the light shining in us and to hear the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and connected to God's purposes. Come on, those things that he's entrusted to you, your marriage, your job, your workplace, your dream, your business, your employees, the purposes of God saying, God, I surrender them to you and I, I do them not for my own gain or my own glory because I, have, I don't have a kingdom. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. So everything that you've entrusted to me, I do it for your glory and for your kingdom. God's presence, God's promises, God's people, God's purposes. If we'll stay connected to those things, they serve as an anchor. I encourage us that there's a life of intentionality. There's, there's a life of, of priority, of, of recognizing what really matters in our life and putting it first and keeping it first in our life in the midst of all the distractions. A life of pursuit of saying, I want more of God. I'm grateful that I know him and I'm grateful that I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm hungry and I'm thirsty to know him more, just, just a little bit more, just a little bit closer to him. Priority and pursuit, passion for God. We would say, Lord, I, I really want to live out what it looks like to live out the greatest commandment, which is love the Lord my God with all my mind, all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. Everything that I am belongs to you. Priority, pursuit, passion, and perseverance, understanding that there, there will be obstacles there will be opposition. We've got to be a persevering people of faith. We cannot afford to run into unexpected things, interruptions, opposition, or obstacles and fold up and go home. We've got to be willing to stand our ground and speak the truth and speak the word and continue to encourage one another all the more, even as the day of the Lord approaches to be a persevering people of faith. We're experiencing some storms. Now's the time to be anchored to Jesus, to be anchored to Jesus. Man of God, your family needs you to be anchored to Jesus. Your children need you to be anchored to Jesus. Hear me, godly parents, Christian parents, your kids need you to serve as an anchor. They need the Bible. They need their church. They need their youth group. Those are anchors to a life of faith. And they, there is a storm. Your kids, your teenagers especially, are being bombarded with all sorts of ideologies and opinions about how to do life, about how to do faith, about how to do sexuality and marriage. And you need to serve as an anchor for them. We're experiencing some storms, and now is the time where more than ever we've got to be anchored to Jesus, his presence, his promises. Hebrews 6.19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. It's firm and secure. Another translation of the same scripture says, a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And God's word would not say it this way 
if he didn't know that we would need, wouldn't need at some point to see it this way. There's a, there's, there's a tendency to drift, to become distracted when we get disappointed or discouraged and to drift spiritually. There is a danger in drifting. Today, I wanna encourage you with an anchor. And listen, I don't say this lightly. I really believe this, that this anchor, if you will grab a hold of this today, man of God, woman of God, young people of God, if you'll grab a hold of this, this is one of the things that will anchor you when the seas roar and the waves rise and the winds and the rains come. You will stand strong and stand firm if you'll grab a hold of this anchor. And I wanna talk to you today about the anchor of your identity in Christ. Who you are in him. In the midst of all the lies, the opinions, the deceptions of the enemy, the things that have been spoken over you, by maybe even people who were supposed to take care of you and love you, your parents, your grandparents, a, 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 an old teacher or a coach that spoke something over you. I'm telling you today that God sees you differently than they see you. And the Apostle Paul knew this. And we see this, we can glean this out of Acts chapter 27. So jump back, verse 20. Let's, let's pick it up, read a few more verses and I'll show you how this relates to identity in Christ. Verse 20, it says, when neither sun nor stars had appeared for many days and the storm continued raging. Come on, how many of you feel like that's where we are right now? It's like, Lord, when will this storm lift? When will we be through? We've been praying. Let me encourage you, continue to pray without ceasing. The book of James says that do not grow weary in doing good for in due time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop trusting, asking God and thanking him in advance. Lord, thank you that you are our protection over our health. You are the provision for our health and for our finances, for our company, Lord. And you are the source of our direction, Lord. Give us wisdom to how to move forward until the storm lifts. But this is where they found themselves. A storm so heavy that the, neither the sun nor the stars could shine through it. And look what it says. It says, we finally, as the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. All hope was lost. But here's the thing that they had going for them. They had a man of God on the ship. They had a Jesus-encountering, Bible-believing, faith-breathing man of God on the ship. And so even when the storm looked like it was going to take them down, come on, there was a man of God that God had positioned for such a time as this to stand in the gap and to begin to introduce faith into the situation. That is the call of God on you in this day, in this hour, in your home, for your family, in your workplace. All hope was lost. Well, the storm just keeps going. We're just, I'm, I'm this close to giving up hope. And they had a man of God who was willing to stand and speak to them and charge them. And he stood in verse 21, it says, Paul stood before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. You would have spared yourself this damage and loss. And listen, you need to hear this. Maybe some of you made some poor choices, some bad decisions, ignored the voice of God, forged ahead in your own strength, ignored what he was telling you to do or leading you to do or warning you about. And you need to be encouraged that even if that's you, you find yourself in a storm that maybe you even had a part, you contributed to it through a poor choice or through rebellion or pride or fear or whatever it was. That's where they found themselves. Paul was saying, this could have been avoided. But watch what he says then. He says, but now, but now, 
And listen, if that's you today, if that's where you find yourself, you need to hear me preaching to you today. I say, but now, from this point forward, that, you might have made some mistakes. You might have stumped your toe. You might have fallen. You might have stumbled. But now the Lord is coming to you and encountering you and sneaking you and charging you and challenging you that you still have a hope and a future in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, but now, I, I urge you, I implore you, I, hear me this morning, I'm urging you, keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. And this isn't in my notes, but I can't help but remind you today that there are some earthly things that are passing away and your citizenship is not of this earth, it is of heaven. And, and I'm just telling you, nothing in the Bible means what it says when it says nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And he said, the ship might pass away, the ship might sink, but you're gonna stand. Not one of you will be lost. And he says, last night, an angel of the God, and catch this, this is where we find this. He says, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, that God, not just any God, not just some faraway God, the God, that I know that I belong to and whom I serve. That God came to me and spoke a word and it's bringing hope and it's bringing life and it's bringing encouragement to me and now to you because I'm standing here delivering you that word from that God, the God that I belong to, the God that I serve. There are many people who believe in God, but there's a difference when you go from believing in a God to knowing a God, knowing who he is, knowing who I am, not because of what I could ever do or deserve, but because of what Jesus came and did so that I could be made whole and set free and made new and restored back out of religion to a relationship with my heavenly father who loved me too much to leave me the way I was. He said, Jesus. He said, that God. He said, the God to whom I belong because my life is not my own. He knew, he was familiar with who he was. He knew that he had once opposed God and, 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 and persecuted the Christian church. He knew he was familiar with his past, but now he was more acquainted. He was becoming more acquainted with who God had saved him so that he could become. The God to whom I belong, whom I serve, he stood beside me. He said, do not be Afraid. Come on, look at your neighbor if you're blessed to be sitting by someone here or at home and say, don't be afraid. Do not fear. And the angel of the Lord said, you must stand trial before Caesar. In other words, your purpose in God is greater than your storm. And God has graciously given you, those of you around me, the lives of all who sail with me. So keep up your courage. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me the God to whom I belong, the God to whom I serve. In the middle of the storm, Paul makes this powerful but potentially overlooked statement as he's encouraging them, keep the faith, keep your courage. I have a word from God. I, I know it's gonna happen just like God has spoken in spite of the way it looks on the outside, in spite of the way it feels on the outside. I have a word from God and I know it's gonna come to pass. In the middle of making those statements, he acknowledges the word came from the God to whom I belong. In the middle of the storm, Paul's reminding himself of who he is in Christ. Listen, one of the keys to surviving the storms in life, 
One of the anchors that will keep you from being drifted or worse, blown against the rocks is understanding and knowing who you are in Christ, your identity in Christ, what Jesus came to make possible for you to be and become, not just the person to your left and your right. It's an anchor. Listen, one of the keys is, is, is knowing who you are. This is being opposed by the enemy. There is a battle over your identity. There's a battle over the identity of the young people in our culture. And you can see it being waged every way. You could see it being waged over even their gender. There's a war being waged against the identity that we have in our gender. There's a war that's being waged against the identity that we have in our sexuality. There's a war that's being waged even racially. The enemy is coming to try to, try to label us with broad, blanket, bland, generic statements, black, white, brown, yellow, to divide us. There is no white church. There is no black church. There's just one church. Identity. There's a battle over identity. Here's what you need to be encouraged with. Anywhere, hear this today. Because you can take hope from this if there's a battle in your marriage. You can take hope from this if there's a battle as you're raising your kids to know God and serve God. Anywhere where there's power, potential, and purpose, you better expect that there's gonna be opposition. There's a battle over identity because the enemy knows that when you really fully grasp and embrace and begin to live out who you are in Christ Jesus, look out, you are a threat to the devil. There's a battle over your identity and you need to know you got saved to be so much more than just a church attender or a church member. There's, there's, this, there's an amazing identity that Jesus came to restore you to to deliver you to. Listen, Jesus did not come to correct bad behavior. He came to restore sons and daughters. He came to rescue and restore and redeem sons and daughters back from the place that sin had caused us to be, back to the place of perfect relationship with God in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our past, in spite of our sins, only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's worth saying again. Jesus did not come to correct or amend bad behavior. He came to rescue and restore sons and daughters. That's who you are. And I just began, as the Lord was prompting me to encourage you with this message today, I just began to type on my notes all the things that I just recalled having read or heard over the years about who I was in Christ and Listen, I'm about to read this over you, and what you got to understand is that if you are in Christ, this is about you. This is you. This is not just the pastors and the elders or the Sunday school teachers. This is you. And listen, this is just a partial list. You're a child of God. Listen, as I'm speaking this, let this resound in your spirit in a greater way than some of the things that might have been spoken over you in a previous day. You're a child of God. You're created in his image. You're the first and not the last. You're the head and not the tail. You are chosen and you are loved. In fact, you're his dearly beloved. You're the apple of his eye. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus who has delivered you to victory. You are blessed when you're coming and you're blessed when you're going. You're blessed in the city and you're blessed in the country. Come on, where's some of my country folks at? You are blessed in every season. You, he no longer calls you a servant, but a friend. 
as you trust and obey God, the Bible says that everything you put your hands to shall prosper. You're an ambassador of the highest kingdom representing the king of all kings. You're a co-heir with Christ. You're part of the family of God. And one day you will rule and reign with him. You are sealed with his spirit. You are called by his name. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus and the joy of the Lord is your strength. You are God's treasure, God's workmanship, God's masterpiece, a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. You've been raised to life out of darkness and seated with Christ in heavenly places. You've been giving the mind of Christ, come on, put it to work. You're the light of the world. In Christ, you have, according to God's word, every spiritual blessing. You can do all things. Somebody say all things. Through Christ who strengthens you, you're an overcomer. You're victorious. In fact, so victorious that the only way the Bible could see fit to express it is that you are more than a conqueror. And nothing, yes, nothing, not fear, not darkness, no person, no demon, no sickness, no coronavirus, not even death itself can ever, ever, ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's just a partial list of what God has to say about you when he sees you through the blood of Jesus. And one of the reasons that humility is so important in the life of a believer is just because of just how bad God created you to be. I mean, I mean, I mean bad like the way that kids used to say it. That's probably not how they say it today. Just how amazing you are called to be. It's one of the reasons that humility is so important. I gotta be humble because I gotta be all of that in Jesus Christ. I, I, I gotta be, hum, humility is the platform for greatness. God doesn't despise greatness. You're created in the image of a great God and all those things and so much more is who he called and created and made possible through Jesus for you to be. He doesn't despise greatness. He just resists pride. That's why I read that whole list and I understand that I could never be any of those things in my own strength. And when I allow myself to drift spiritually, I can quickly get away from looking like what the Bible says about who I am. And you might say, well, Pastor T, everything you just read, that sounds good for you, but what about me? Because you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I'm at. You don't know what I'm up against. You don't know the challenges, the struggles, the addictions, the mindsets, the relationships. You don't know where I'm at. The Apostle Paul knew who he had been. But he was focused more on who he was becoming. He said it this way in Romans chapter 7. He said, oh, what a miserable person I am. Another translation you might be more familiar with says, wretched man that I am. And he says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? But thank God that there's an answer. The very next verse says it this way. Thank God the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you turn the page, Romans 8. Come on, we divided it into chapters and verses, but it's one letter that's being written. And you turn the page, and Romans 8, 1 is a verse that you're probably familiar with. So now, there is no condemnation for those who, are, who belong, who belong to Christ Jesus. Paul said, I, the God to whom I belong. The God I serve. In the midst of the storm, this, the winds were raging, the seas were raging, the ship was even sinking, but Paul was still standing because he knew who he was. 
and he knew the price that God had had to pay to deliver him to him. And he knew that if God was willing to do that for him, that he would be willing to see him through. He knew that the author of his faith, the perfecter, the originator, the one who had called him to this life of faith lived in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, that that God to whom he belonged would see him through, that he would be, he would continue and bring to completion the work that he began in him as he ran with perseverance. Satan's on a mission to try to keep you anchored to and drugged down by who you used to be and what used to have you. Jesus came to set you free from all that and say, now, let me show you who you were created to be. Just stand to your feet. And stand in response to God. And stand in defiance of all those lies that the enemy has tried to speak over you. That have led to insecurities and maybe insignificance. Today, that list of all those things that I declared, they come straight from God's word. That is who God sees you as in spite of your past. Again, Pastor T, I, I, but you don't know. And listen, when we need God the most, we deserve him the least. Jesus said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us. Why, how? While we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We don't go and get right so that we can get right with God. We get God and we begin to get right because we discover who we are in Him. And we discover the value that we have, so valuable, that God would send His one and only Son. That's not religious language, that really happened. You're so valuable to Him that He sent Jesus to pay the price that you could not pay and to deliver you from who you were and to what you belong to, to restore you to who you were created to be, to make you his. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you are being reminded of some things. Some of you, are, it's being revealed to you. Listen, the Bible says, that my people perish for lack of knowledge. Some of you just need to hear this. You've been struggling, you've been, you've been gasping for air, you've been kind of hanging on by a thread because you just didn't know who you were in Christ Jesus. Some of you need to hear this. My people perish from a lack of knowledge, Hosea 4, 6. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's why the Lord sent me today to preach this to you. This is who you always were. But you're hearing it today. Come on, faith is stirring. Faith is stirring for who you really are and who you always were in Christ. Under the preaching of God's word. Listen, hey, a few months ago, I was contacted by a loved one and they said, you know, we've discovered that you have some finances that are available to you back in Texas where we moved here from. And they said, just go to this website, the Secretary of State's website. We came across your name there. And so 
I mean, come on, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I went to the website and I put my name in there and sure enough, there was an old savings account that's been accruing interest. I started it when I was in my late teens or early 20s. I think I opened it up with 25 bucks or something, you know? So, I mean, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was enough to take my wife out to dinner or something. And then I saw my name in two or three other lines or columns there, and I, I started to click through it. I was a member of a telephone cooperative back in Dalhart, Texas, the northwest part of the Texas Panhandle. I'd forgotten all about this. It's been gaining dividends the whole time. It was always there for me, and it always belonged to me. But I couldn't claim it until I was willing to go to the right atmosphere and show my identity. What is it that God has spoken about you, intends for you to be walking in and living in and abiding in and standing on and anchored to, that today God wants to say, that's always been yours. Today you just have to get in the right atmosphere and present your identity. And that identity is not, can't be earned or deserved by you and your own strength. It's the shed blood of Jesus Christ that makes you the candidate to receive what's been stored up for you in heavenly places. Listen, that's a good segue. If you are watching today, worshiping with us online, or listen, if you're in this room and you're far from God, you realize that you've drifted from that identity. Maybe you once knew God, maybe you once served God, but life has happened and sin has happened and today you're far from him. Or maybe you've never dedicated your life to Jesus Christ. If that's you, we believe that you are tuning in or here in this place, not by accident, but because of the heart of a good heavenly father who loved you too much to leave you in that place, he sent Jesus. And if that's you right now, just begin to respond. Just begin to respond in your own way, in your own words. We're gonna lead you in a prayer here in a moment, but it's important that you just begin to acknowledge that's me and just begin to say, God, that's me, I need Jesus. That's me, I've been far from you. I've drifted and I'm coming home today. And listen to those of, of you who are responding, maybe you wanna just put your hand in the air just as a sign, an outward sign to say, that's me, I'm responding, I'm coming home to Jesus. And listen, if that's you, those of you in this room, responding in your heart and lifting your hand or those of you who are joining us online, we wanna pray this prayer with you and for you. We do it for a couple of reasons. You guys know Rev City family, we do this often. And it's for a couple of reasons. One, it's just to quickly just affirm to the people who are giving their lives to Jesus that there's a church family called Rev City Church that wants to come alongside them and encourage them and strengthen them and affirm them in their new or fresh faith in Jesus Christ. And two, it's because we realize, I mean, we're in touch with the idea that even as we're growing in our faith, we never graduate from grace. I need Jesus as much today as I ever have. And it's the reason I pray this prayer with passion from my heart. I realize how easy it is for me to begin to drift. And in some ways, this prayer is an anchor for my soul every week when I pray it. I said, come on with those who are responding in this room and online, let's pray this and pray it like it's an anchor for your soul. I mean, maybe you wouldn't have to, but I mean, it's just good to just remind yourself of these powerful truths that are found within this prayer. So come on, pray it with maybe a fresh perspective, fresh passion from your heart. Come on, repeat after me. Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a savior. I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I could never pay to make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, 
I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Come on, say it again and then rejoice with all of heaven for the people who gave their lives to Jesus today. Listen, friend, if that was you, you gave your life to Jesus or you're here in this room, we want to hear from you. Would you text us? Would you reach out to us? We have some resources we would love to give you. We have a Fresh Start Bible, just like this one that I preach from, and some other resources. We want to send them to you wherever you are. Just text New Life to text number 30500 or email us at newlife at revcity.com. And listen, if you rededicated your life or gave your life to Jesus and you're here in the room today, we have that same bag of resources we would love to bless you with. Would you just stop by the Welcome Center right there on your left as you head out? We would love to greet you personally and put those things in your hand, including that Fresh Start Bible. Now, I want us to worship one more time together today. And as we enter back into worship, I felt compelled to encourage us to begin to speak, for you to begin to speak as I speak over you, who you are in Christ. And so come on, right where you are, I know I read and I spoke those things over you today, but right where you are, there have been some things maybe that have been spoken over you. But faith comes by hearing, and listen, it doesn't just come by the, the hearing of a preacher or an elder or a Sunday school teacher. Paul spoke in the middle of a storm. He didn't have to, he spoke and he said, the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve. It was important that we begin to discover our voice. Faith begins to rise when we begin to hear. Faith begins to rise. And so right now, come on, people of God, if all you know is that you are loved, begin to just say, I'm loved. If all you know is that you're a son or a daughter because of what Jesus did to bring you back to the family of God, just begin to just say that, maybe even just repeat it. I'm a son. I'm a son in the family of God. I am chosen. I am loved. I'm not forsaken. I've been found. I once was lost and now I'm found. I'm part of the family of God. I'm a victor. I'm, more, I'm so, such a victor in Jesus that I'm, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm the head and the, not the tail. I'm the first and not the last. I'm blessed when I'm coming and I'm going. I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed in the city. Everything that the Lord calls me to put my hands to will prosper in Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to speak it. I am chosen. I am loved. God came running for me. God sought after me. God sent Jesus for me. I'm valued. I'm treasured, I'm his masterpiece, I'm his workmanship. I was created in his image. He'll never leave me or forsake me. 